Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hello, and welcome to another Collecting Addicts podcast. I'm reliably informed this is number 19. So we'll call it the Paul Hardcastle, shall we? Yes, um, I we're knew going, it. We're, we're going straight in on uh, motorsport and stuff we've done this weekend uh, because um, this allows me to tell you that I went to the British Superbike Round at Donington yesterday with my youngest. And I have to say, as I was trundling up the M5 and it was hot and I thought well, what else we could be doing I was a little bit worried that I'd made the wrong call I was so wrong I had the most surprisingly enjoyable day out well I knew it was going to be good but I was just so pleasantly surprised the moment we walked through the gates Donington was just in full bloom you forget what a lovely circuit Donington is it's in that natural bowl just by the airport all the greens were verdant the, the grass was perfectly kept Jonathan Palmer really does he takes pride in his circuits and i really admire him for that but the car park was rammed outside it just felt like i'd gone back 30 years to the heyday of of british circuits and them being absolutely full so um yeah i don't want to be like acting like the pr department of um of british superbikes but they put on a fantastic display yesterday the paddock was so family friendly you know just really good eggs everyone's interested in little people um, adults as well. The racing was exceptional. I watched some race for 13 to 16 year olds where it was mayhem. They were sort of four abreast elbowing each other through the craners when they came over the line and someone high sided as they were going over the line and took out someone else. It was just wonderful. So I'm, I'm not on a percentage, but this is a rallying call. If you get the chance to go to Superbike Round, a British Superbike Round this year, please do so because it might not be on your list of things to do. But I absolutely loved it. What else did people do this weekend? So I watched a bit of the Nurburgring 24 Hours yeah. this weekend. Yeah. So Ooh. actually, it was an interesting weekend. There was so much motorsport on that wasn't F1. Um, and it was, we're very, very worried and sort of concerned about those who were affected by the floods in um, northern Italy. It did give other motorsports an opportunity to shine. So whilst I was in Croft in the northeast of England, watching Finley, one of my sons, racing his Caterham, uh, we watched a little bit of the Nürburgring 24 Hours. It's 
I think it's unique. It's so it's mostly sports car and touring car racing, but world sports car GT racing. There's like two or three classes, maybe three classes. Uh, GT3 racing in Europe. There's one class. Now we're going 24 hours. There's 20 classes. It's such an enormous diversity of cars. There's about 30 odd GT3 cars at the front. Wow. Um, it's gone from being it's about 200 cars in the race, maybe slightly fewer than that. 25 kilometers all the way around. There's nothing like it anywhere in any other kind of way that compares to it. So it's, um, st- it's still 200 starters, is it? It may be about 180, I think. Yeah. But it, um, I mean, we, we obviously did, Monkey and I did it 21 years ago in that Caterham. When we did it 21 years ago, there was somebody had a VW Caravelle bus. Somebody was had an Audi 200 turbo estate. Oh, cool. Most of that. Most of that man is an original Mini, a Trabant, yeah, Um, Caterhams, which are all gone, have all gone. But this year there were there was one legend still running. Those of you who watched this will have seen it. Uh, One of the interesting things about the race this weekend, because and a lot of the social media and the memes and stuff going around on TikTok and Instagram were clearly from people who were talking about, well, hey, I wanted to watch Imler, but look, this madness is on. So you'll see stuff in the middle of the night where. There are te- it's a long circuit and most of it's in a mountain and a forest so the rescue trucks have to drive on the circuit they don't red flag it they just have these slow zones or sort of safety cars holding people up. but otherwise the racing is just going on past these people so it looks utterly mental if you're not used to it there are a couple of points of interest um you know if, if you love it you love it and it's just like nothing on earth and bending cam my boys looked at it and they know that we used to go and do it and stuff but they kind of really appreciate it now just looking at the social media explosion about it, I think it was extraordinary. A couple of things of, of particular note, though. First time in 21 years that a German-made car did not win the Nürburgring 24 hours. The one by uh, Ferrari 296. Quite poignantly, I thought, mm-hmm. uh, run by the team Fricadelli, uh, which is owned by the former partner of um, Sabine, uh, somebody who, obviously, nice. Monkey, you know incredibly well, but we used to race against together when we were there. Um, so it was quite poignant to see the first almost non-German being run by their team. And fantastic. David Pittard, great British GT driver on the lineup. They beat the M4 GT3 by 26 seconds. After 24 hours. And umpteen yellow flag zones and slow zones. And there were this year quite, I mean, when we've been going there for donkey's years, we've done, Chris has done more than I, we've done a lot of 24 hours is there. It is unique because there's such a performance differential between the fast cars and the slow cars. This year, two things happened. Some of the pro drivers did say, look, you know, we love you guys, the amateurs and the slower cars, but hold your line because quite a lot of stuff on social media of some interesting driving and some uh, quite unpleasant looking shunts. Um, The biggest one, though, was this poor team in this Dacia or Dacia, depending on your preference for pronunciation, Logan. So it's a little old Renault 19, whatever the Dacia Logan is, a tiny little engine, probably doing 120 miles an hour on the straight, got collected by one of the Porsche GT3s driven by Heinrich, who was Porsche Junior, he won during Correct Lot last year, done two races. He was a lower low, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. Yeah, (laughs) that might have been his grandfather. (laughs) Possibly. You sent Um, us that video at about six something this morning. (laughs) Yeah, I did. Well, yeah, you know. Yeah, well, I was I was up. 
We're up. We're all up. We're all up now. Yeah, well, someone's working. working. So so Nurburgring 24 hours. So um, I think it was great that it brought the Nurburgring, which is the most extraordinary racing circuit in the world, and the Nurburgring 24 hours. 20, even 10 years ago, a lot of very serious people in motorsport sort of dismissed it a bit as it was just a big club race, isn't it? No. It's not a big club. Do, do, do you remember when you got stroppy with autosport when they, they didn't cover it or something? Oh, God, yes. You got, you got I did, didn't I? Their editor because you, you were writing there saying, how dare you not treat this as a serious race? I did. I'm glad you... Yeah, I was. And did that, you I win it? Right. That, was that the problem? I think we might have had a good result that year, man. Oh, if I'm honest with you, the two did coincide. Possibly. <laughs> we might have been the top British team that year. I can't remember. Yeah. Those two events are completely oh, unconnected. And any suggestion to the contrary is unworthy. Yeah. Oh, can I add anyway, one, thing? Can I add so, one thing about that race? I think um, I just don't have any sympathy for these pro drivers that say, hold your line, do what you do. The best endurance, you know, we heard Richard Atwood talk on, on Friday yeah, did. event at Bista, which with Porsche Club GB. And these stories of driving are just incredible and make, make you realise that those were gladiators, those people. You could drive yeah, a 17 totally. with your ankles in front of the front axle line. Every time you get in, it's trying to kill you. He, that generation knew that in a fast car, it's your responsibility to get around the slow car. You have to assume that that thing in front of you is driven by an irrational being, a human, and it could do anything. And the better drivers will get around it without getting collected by it. And that's the way it is. If, yeah. if you rely, if you rely on asking someone to do something in front of you on a racetrack as being the reason why you'll go past them flat out, that to me is insanity. If you write that down, why would you buy into it? Yeah. So I have no sympathy whatsoever. And I think, do you know what? I remember interviewing Olaf Manti about this about 10 years ago when, when it was a lot more GT3 cars and it was getting very serious. And I expected him to say, I want all the idiot amateurs to go. We should have a great big 450 car GT3 race because we're the legends. And he went, I've got no sympathy for all these little lads. We all yeah. had to get around them. They can get around them. And actually, if you look at this event, it's the colour and the variety it that is. makes it special. It's not us in the fancy cars. He was so right when he said that. He is. Chris, you yeah. got to, to tell your story, um, Harris Monkey, just about Mansell and Senna, the same thing, basically, the concept of being overtaking, announcing. Uh, I love this. So N- Nigel, who's, a, who's a, you know, so much cleverer than people would realise, and the way he thought about his driving, he had this phrase to me, and it was in a, a motorhome in Pembrey, of all places, and he said, it's all about how you present yourself. He talked about presenting the car. Yep. And he said, that's why Senna was just the best. He, said, yep. because he, had the, he had the iconography of overtaking already. So he had, the, he had the car. Everyone knew it was Senna's car. The yellow helmet. He said, the moment you saw that shit in your mirror, you just got out of the way. And I think Nigel said that he would always try and present his car quite often over-aggressively. Some drivers choose to look like they're just going to drive into the back of you. There's different ways of doing yeah, it. Yes, body language. It's car body, body language. And we, and we, Monkey and I talked about when we were working, yeah. racing in the ring. And you, you can give the car body language. Yeah. And the best there, particularly there, even at night, you can convey a certain degree of seriousness and sensibleness and so forth and it does work so yeah i'm with chris i'm with you i think it's to it would spoil the race and ruin Mm. it if we said we're going to have the big cars over here and the little cars over there um and too many of the i expect lauren heinrich who trashed this dacia logan uh he's a young kid and actually one i saw one of the reports today to say 
maybe we should make them do more races and actually maybe we should make them do a race in a little bmw 2 series against the g3 cars to see what it feel like but yeah but in terms of f1 being off and people seeing that amazing track and that amazing race fantastic can i add, can i add one more reason why you need to keep the color in there i heard this story it might be apocryphal but i think i'm reliably informed it's true that in the 90s um when the race really was quite rogue and there were several people that used to drive their cars to the circuit do the race and then go home again one of whom was this legend in a merc uh 450 se uh what was it slc so the, Ooh, the, the, yeah. the 4c sl he had a hard top with a roll cage in it it was an automatic he would drive it from southern Germany, do the 24 race, and just go home again afterwards. Yeah, that was there when we raced in 2002. Yeah, was he, he actually did Silverstone 24 hours the year that Edward um, ploughed a new line down the hangar straight. Uh, he was there that year as well. Um, anyhow, so what what happened was there's a second gate to get onto the circuit down at Brideshite. So, yeah. you know, with the, with the bridge at the lowest part of the circuit, someone in a local bar had a few too many beers and got in his E30 got through the barrier and managed to complete two laps of the 24-hour race as a civilian drunk <laughs> three series oh, before, the, before the organisers got him off. That's like 20 minutes. <laughs> it took 20 minutes to spot him. He thought he was driving home. That's all. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm embarrassed to say I've never been to the Nürburgring. Do you know what? Should, at the spectator go. event, I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. It doesn't match up necessarily to Le Mans and... Um, and classic Le Mans because it it's it is very German, you know. It's it really quite German. Is. I was going to say that. And that's yeah. not mean that German aren't people great, but it is culturally their thing. Very. I think as an English person, there you unless you get in with the right bunch, you might have a a tricky experience. Yeah. And the, cars, the cars don't have the raw speed that the Le Mans cars have. You know, when you go to Le Mans, you're seeing stuff doing over 200 miles an hour, and it looks spectacular. You have to really be into your racing at the Nurburgring, I think, to 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 get that same sense of speed. Yeah. But equally. If you if you go to places like the compression in the foxhole, I defy anyone to see a car go flat out through that and not be impressed. Yeah, we should all go. Yeah, we, we should, should do. Go. We should go. Do a yeah. tourist fart and day. Yeah, cool. Um, uh, what else did people do this weekend? Edward, you went to a polo match. Well, I went to. I was invited. It's not my sort of thing, but I thoroughly enjoyed it. And actually, what you do expect to see at a polo uh, match is a very interesting car park. And there was a very interesting car park. I sent you a photo of a selection yeah. of cars from there. Uh, there was also. I'm not very good with my Range Rovers. What's the um, What's the old? Uh, let me get the photo of it here. Was it a Vila? No, 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 no. Is this? It was this one here. There we go. P38. P38. P38, but look, green wheels. That's a bit of you, Neil. Yeah, that's like, <laughs> that's officially the worst ever Range Rover. Yeah, I know, yeah, but it, 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 had, probably... it, had, it had three Goodwood GRC uh, stickers in the window. The uh, the Polo members badge. Nice. That's it, probably uh, the Holland and Holland version. Yeah, I bet it was, yeah. It's, it looked very fancy. I didn't yeah. share that photo with you. No. Um, anyway, uh, I, I enjoyed watching Juan Carlos and two Carlos and uh, yeah, and a few chuckers. It was uh, very enjoyable. I did, watch the Indi I did watch the Indy 500. Yeah. yeah. So the quality for that, and the, the, this thing goes on for about three weeks, isn't it? I don't really understand. That's a mate. Yeah, but I did I did watch that. I had a mate out there and, and he was sort of trying to inform me of what goes on because I'm not really sure. I mean, they are officially the ugliest race cars. Oh. Absolutely. That Cornetto yeah, thing that's on, you know, it's like this sort of pointy. It's like a dog, it's like a dog antiseptic. Yeah, like, yeah, your, do your dog's got an infection in its leg thing. 
<laughs> but um, you know, was it this weekend actually, isn't it? They've short uh, the race is it's in the evening after Monaco, traditionally. Yeah. Right. And yeah. yeah, Alex Pelou did a 234 mile an hour. Yeah, they're quick, aren't they? And they're probably, yeah. The cars yeah. sound better, probably. Are they still they hybrid things? I should know. No, they're just they're just turbo they're turbocharged. Yeah. yeah. So F1 pretty much kept its uh, head down for the past week. Well, so... there's just one tiny, teeny, tiny story that was brewing over the weekend, which um, hit today. I don't know if you saw, but um, there are rumours yeah. that Lewis Hamilton's been offered £40 million pounds yes. to go to Ferrari. Oh, come and on. And he might do a straight swap with Charles Leclerc. Yes. What do we I think, think of that? My, I mean, it I think it's a ending, isn't it? I, th- I think it's a no-brainer. I think yeah. if, if Lewis Hamilton goes to Ferrari, I think you will see the viewing figures quadruple. I don't know whether he'll win his eight with it. I don't know whether that's better for him. I don't think it matters, does it? They just see just see Lewis Hamilton and Ferrari. It, what it, is any, it? Anyone wants to drive for Ferrari, don't you? If what is it with this phrase, though, I want to end my career with Ferrari? Because... That's not very positive for Ferrari, is it? Because it, it it sort of suggests that these people are already it, it, a bit over the hill. I don't think that's, that way, I don't think yeah. that's how um, I would translate that. I would say just basically, it was, it was more of a center phrase, which is no driver's career is complete without driving yeah. for Ferrari. And I think Jacena had said that to Luca a um, few days before he was killed, because what he was trying to say was, um, I've got one more team in me. He was certainly never going to go to Ferrari to go and lose. No way. No. And Lewis saying Ferrari that you to want lose. to meet the king or the queen before you die, it's it's something you want to do, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. But well, when you hear if, that, even if they're making consistently not very good cars and not very good decisions, well, exactly. Well, I mean, that's that's it, why when a, you hear that expression, "I want to end my career with Ferrari," what I hear is, "I want Ferrari to end my career," <laughs> <laughs> which is which you sure you're not dyslexic. I'm dyslexic, so I, I it's what I hear. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and at, at the moment, I think that probably will happen, Chris. Yeah, bless them. Oh, no, it would be exciting, wouldn't it? It'd be great. I think it'd be great. like the sound of it. I like the sound of it, but I think they'd fall out over one key issue, and that is what, what Lewis wears. Because Ferrari's got its new couture range. It's been at Milan, hasn't it? It's got, you can buy a lot of leather onesie with a hole where you do a poo through. And um, and is Lewis, oh, is Lewis, is Lewis going to wear that? Or is Lewis going to have his own fashion brand? How's it going to work? You went to the wrong fashion show, Chris. Oh, sorry. That was the, that was the other <laughs> Nappy show, exactly. <laughs> S&M, not Milan. I'll just make, make a note of that. <laughs> don't Ferrari need better drivers though? We talked about this last week, don't they? You know, maybe for Ferrari it's a good thing. Yeah. I well, yeah, I, I just he doesn't that. make mistakes, Lewis. Not really. Lewis for eight. Lewis for eight. <laughs> Lewis for eight. Uh well, the, I, I I agree. That that was the brewing story. The one thing I, I will say about um uh Indianapolis is I don't really get it either but I, I firmly believe that if, if a lot of people buy into something and I don't quite understand it it's worthy of investigation and I'm definitely curious because the idea of stuff doing 230 miles an hour close contact I, it's immensely skillful yeah. and anyone that's driven with those spotters in your ears you know you've got people talking to you telling where to go it's bizarre it's really difficult um, but Chris now, apparently as a as a viewing spectacle I mean I've never been it is supposed to be I mean you can see the cars for the whole lap it's yes. mind-blowing it kind of moves building up it's so loud because it's it mind-blowing massive I've got, I've got, everyone I know who, who, who've gone yeah. 
to see it. It's just said, oh, my days. It's, God, it's, God. it's on my list, but I, I would implore everyone, if you can find this, I don't know whether it's available online, or maybe I'll try and post it somewhere. There was a great columnist in, um, I think it's Car and Driver, in the 60s, late 60s, early 70s, called Gene Shepard. He was, he was, he was also a, a writer, not just about cars. And he writes about, it's one of the best pieces of motion writing I've ever consumed. Gene Shepard writes about going on his first Indy 500, which is a rite of passage for his father, taking him to his first Indy 500 as a spectator. And he describes the journey and the experiences. It's such pungent writing. If you can find it or read it, it's oh, one nice. of the nicest things you'll ever read. Gene Shepard, his first experience of going to the Indy 500. I mean, um, the place we should all be going is the Isle of Man next weekend. Ooh, I'm going. Yeah. Oh, yes, yes, yes. That, that, I've done that. That is mind-blowing that humans are doing that shit. It's extraordinary. I, I can't, almost can't bring myself to watch it. I'm just so scared for them. Chris, can we send Nilo with you? Uh, you can send this, Neil. My Nilo's decided he can't come, bless him. So, But I, I'm, go, I'm going with a buddy. I've not been before. It's um, really I, good. I was with McGuinness yesterday, not Paddy, the talented one. And um, I, uh, the way they talk about it is just so blasé. He, they did the Northwest 200, was it two weeks ago? And through the speed trap, bearing in mind the Northwest is about as wide as a go-kart track, through the speed trap that one of the boats is doing 212 miles an hour. Yeah. Um, and, and they were all, I was asking, so on the British Superbike thing, apparently it's mandatory to wear a, a an airbag suit now. That's part of the conditions of racing. But this guy fell off at Redgate in front of us, had a rather nasty high side and landed and his suit didn't inflate. So I said, oh, it, and I said what's going is all they all disconnect them because they don't like them. <laughs> <laughs> different species it's a totally different species a totally different breed so is I'm, john is john racing next weekend he is and he's he was he was he's on form he's happy uh he's 51 years old he's <laughs> undoubtedly the coolest uh human being that's involved in motorsport of any type yeah the way he talks um, his turn of phrase, he's just he's brilliant he's he's, he's a ruthless piss taker and but, i take it you're riding out uh, I'm going to take a bike, yep, and then when we get there, I think we'll probably borrow something that can go off-road a bit, and then we'll get taken around and shown some spots around the island. I, I have to say, this is my Gene Shepherd Rite of Passage going to the Indy 500. Yeah, that's quite cool. I wanted to go to the Isle of Man all my life, going as a punter, taking the packet, steam packet for whatever it is. It's going to be uh, going to be an experience. So I'm looking Enjoy. Now, we're moving on to, it just says here in my notes, new caterham. I'm not aware there is one, but I think there is a man here who's going to tell us. So this is the story that was announced a couple of weeks ago. Um, Caterham Cars, which has just got a new owner. Chinese. Uh, Japanese, yeah. Um, okay. Japanese. Yeah, it's, a, it's a Japanese importer, basically. It's a dealer. So um, they've announced that they've signed a deal with the chap Gianarelli. Remember oh. the Gianarelli car a couple of years ago? Yeah, I've, got be, nice. I've, got be, I've got to be careful here, actually. I've forgotten this. I did, I did, I've got made a film about that, but we never published it. Sorry. Yeah. So um, he has, uh, Caterham have announced to deal with this chat to design, be a designer of future projects. And I guess the speculation is it's going to be the new seven. So um, we've been here before. And actually, I've personally been here. I'll come to it in a second. So, I mean, Caterham, the Lotus 7, launched in 1957. And as a kit car, largely because of the tax consequences, if you built your own car, it avoided tax. And it was a cheap way of Colin Chapman shifting metal to fund all the racing, all those kind of things. 
uh, early 70s, when Lotus wanted to go bid up market, their main sales agent, their main dealer, which was a company called Cage from Cars, they were a Lotus dealer, Graham Nern, uh, decided to buy the rights and very famously did a deal with Colin Chapman, bought the rights to then manufacture and distribute the kits. And that's and it's now this year, it's 50 years of the Caterham 7. Um, they've had a go at replacing it before. Many of you will remember uh, back the 21. Mm. Uh, it was called the Caterham 21 because that was the sales target. They didn't quite meet. <laughs> I think they probably sold about, it was probably about under 20, not many more than that. It was basically a Caterham 7 with actually some quite nice looking bodywork, but it didn't really. And then unfortunately, the Lotus Elise came along and that sold about 35,000. So that didn't go very well. Quite and a pretty then, car, the 21. It was pretty car. And it was it was sort of like a, like a 7, but not quite as good. It was a bit heavier. Um, and then about the turn of the century, um, I got involved in trying to persuade Caterham and Reynard racing cars to develop a new car. And so I put them together and we spent a lot of time with Adrian Reynard and some of his designers and engineers. This was their absolute peak of their powers and making racing cars. Racing cars. And Caterham had money at that point and we had sales. And um, they came up with a design for a carbon fiber monocoque sports car. It would have retailed early 2000s for about 25 grand. I mean, it was extraordinary. We had a, I had a little model. I'm trying to find it earlier on. I've lost it. Wait there. How? How do you make a carbon tub car sell it for 20, 20 grand? Exactly. No, it was 20 grand. It's a bit more than 25. that. 25. 25. Well, well, wait, also, wait there. Tuco's not been well. Just tell us he's all right. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, look at you. Bounce back. Is he back on form? He's back on form. Good. Chris, <laughs> continue with your story about the car. So, um, 25 grand. We, so the guy, uh, Kieran Salter, who was the engineer at Raynard behind a car called a Strathcarran, some of you might remember Strathcarran or Strathkieran. I went to see that. That was yeah. unbelievable. So all the Strathkieran, as it was called in Rain. So Kieran Salter's now got a brilliant business at Silverstone uh, doing composites, lots of clever engineering stuff. Um, so we, we designed, it was designed, a little model of it was made. Uh, and then unfortunately, Reynard went pop in the aftermath of the, their US market disappearing post 9-11. Um, most interestingly, and this is on the internet, and please God, no one look at it, because there was a film made of it by the BBC of this discovery and the journey between two companies and trying to design and so forth. Ends in tears because there was no car because Reynard went bust and Caterham ran out of money. Um, but in it, you'll see moi wearing the worst suit ever made. Gotta find it. Sold how how old shop. were you? Old enough to know better. We'll try and couple, put a photo in here. Hugo somewhere. Boss, here or here. We'll put... It wasn't, it wasn't, it was worse than Hugo Boss. It, was, <laughs> it might have been, it might have been Man at Jaeger or something like oh, that. We'll nice. put a photo of you Amazing. in, Chris, here I'm somewhere. Yeah, to editor, let's, uh, let's see that suit. I'm hoping to find it. I'm hoping so the point, the point being, I want it to be light turquoise. I want it to be massively pleated trousers, wide, a big, thick, chunky turnout, and maybe. Like maybe four single breasted with four button four button four, four buttons. buttons. Yeah. Oh, it might have had four buttons. Yeah, button, oh. four, button four is the worst single breast. It wasn't it wasn't turquoise. It was like a sort of a beigey tobacco-y oh. sort of Max color. A bit like wall behind Manish. Um, <laughs> I think the film is called um Driven to Win or if you just Google the Caterham BBC program, it will come up. And somewhere in there, there's a bit of me racing at Thruxton 
um, which isn't that bad. But the, the me walking into the workshop at Reynard with Simon and Adrian, and a whole bunch of other people in that suit. So, yeah. So I say to Caterham, um, good luck with the new seven. It's a very, very tough gig, I think. You know, I think, you know I'm a massive fan of the seven. I think we all are. Um, it's. I don't think you can really easily replace it. I presume so, this is an electric thing. I guess it's going to have to be. Although well, we all I, you, 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 you obviously put this topic in, Chris. Have you even studied this? Our, our, our summary, Neil, you've obviously Googled it as well. And all I can find is they're not replacing the seven. They're building an electric thing that doesn't look like a seven orange, at all. The orange thing that's like an yeah. auto car Yes, yes. But maybe that's a different thing. It's like a cage of thingy one again. I mean, I, ho I hope I hope that's true. My my sense and those I talk to, who are close to the matter, as the Financial Times often says, says that there are lots of boring technical and other regulatory safety reasons why the seven may have a limited life, which I hope isn't true. So now um, it's the Range Rover, the seven, and the Golf. We hope not. We in hope all not. In all seriousness, though, reinventing an icon is. It's fool's gold, isn't it? I just it's how, hard. how often does it work? Very few companies have managed it. Um, I think I think Rain, you can argue that Land Rover was was brave and clever to do what it did with the new Defender because it, it's, I know it's not for everyone, but if yeah, they had another box on wheels, we'd have all yeah. laughed at them. Um, I think the 911 is the only one that consistently works because it's it's been around long enough to be allowed to evolve. But evolving is very different to reinventing. Yeah. Evolution is something that designers can can work with. But but deci deciding to reinvent something, especially if something is great and is recognisable as a seven, very yeah. dangerous game. Yeah, and you'll always sell. They, I think in 21, 2021, they took 650 orders. And in 2001, they took about 600 orders. And it kind of oscillates around there. And as long as there's something you can put into an engine, I mean, the, the big problem might be who do you get an engine and gearbox from? So they're down to sort of Mazda engines. They've all got five-speed gearboxes now rather than six-speed. Um, so there's, at some point, where do you find the bits to put in it? So, but replacing an icon is, I think is really, really hard. And the, the project in 02 didn't work in, in part because it was, would have proved too expensive and trying to find the people to do it, blah, blah, blah. So long live the seven. So I think we'll all be we'll all be dead, and they'll still be making Caterham sevens. I think it's like the cockroach of the automotive industry. <laughs> you can't kill the Caterham because yeah. every <laughs> they're, they're always twenty grand. They're always magic to drive. They'll always find a way through the rules and regulations and yeah. laws. It will always exist. That we car. should do their marketing. <laughs> should do their marketing. When Neil, cars. When, Neil, when, Neil quite, when Neil quite rightly says that. If it then didn't exist, that would make it even more painful for me because it's the stuff that you assume that will always be around. That when that stops, you go. Oh, I think it's it's brilliant car, brilliant. Yeah. But surely the I, I don't know if you can. I guess you can still build something and put a Q plate on it. So there'll always be a there'll always yeah you, yeah you can build it. The, if you don't need a Q plate, you go to your local SVA centre. It gets tested and it gets a proper number plate now. Yeah, yeah. Although that that is a conversation another time. That Q plate, there's something going on in the background that with my Motorsport UK hat on, we've been aware of. Some going with a Q plate, which means that everybody who's rebuilding a car, an old car, so any resto mod thing, there's some suggestion that the DVLA might say, we need a Q plate on it. Q plate existed years ago to protect people from bodged cars. Um, 
I need to do a bit more research and we'll come back and talk about it. But it's it's a real issue for those who are doing resto mods that they might have to have a QPA on a car. But yeah. It's it, almost it, it the only done. rule is never drive a car with a Q plate. Exactly. There's nothing looks worse. Nothing looks worse. Than a nothing looks worse. Yeah, there's I, nothing worse. I thought it was gone. It's terrible, yeah. I thought it was gone. No. Would be to have your initials and then uh, the number 77 afterwards. That was the only thing that could be could be worse. <laughs> yeah. You're such it, a motherfucker. It's really... <laughs> Yeah, that's bad. That's bad. But Q is, you may as well just have dickhead written on your <laughs> I gave up. Oh. <laughs> on to favourite Co- mud flaps. <laughs> Co- cockroach is not a good look. Cockroach is not a I think we need to work on that advertising. I mean, as a positive, the cockroach <laughs> campaign. What, what, what's positive about a cockroach? It, it never dies. It's indestructible. Yeah, when I, when I was, last time I trod on one, it didn't live. <laughs> Chris, when I when I was four years old, I was in India. My aunt moved. Oh, I'm still traumatized by this. She moved a painting in um, in the living room, and a fucking six inch cockroach flew flew across flew. the living room and bounced off my forehead. Okay, I was four, and I thought that was literally the last moment I was going to live. It was disgusting. Went bing like that. I didn't literally. think a cockroach could be six inches. Oh <laughs> my god, you have not seen a. It was only four. It might have been five. This, that cockroach okay. will still this, be alive. It, it, that cockroach will still be alive. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Do you think? Do you think cockroaches say to each other, "You remind me of a caterer seven"? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> In a positive way. Yeah, well, yeah. I'm not into co- I'm not into cockroaches. You sound like Manish, you've just basically described Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. That's in India, and there are cockroaches. Were you in that? Oh, just, just it's the only insect I have. <laughs> right, we're now moving on. Um, uh, you're allowed one Ferrari to drive for the rest of your life. This is this is open to interpretation. Daily driver. So we're going to get we're going to get the really lengthy one that's been overthought out out the way first. Neil Clifford. <laughs> yeah, it's the four five eight. <laughs> it's the, not the four five six. Just to be cl- clear, I don't know. got it, got it. Not to be confused with the shitty four five six in automatic. Right. How, it, it, how can that up. be your answer? You said you would be buried in an FF. We, I, 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 I didn't even want to put it in the WhatsApp no, no, chat. No, I was no, so no, sure you, of your if answer. You just, if you just give me a minute, I will explain why that is my answer. Uh, ideally, the uh, speciality, really. But anyway, if I've got, if we've got a standard four five eight, it's the last of Luca, right? Yeah. The last of normally aspirated. Yeah. But the key, actually. Is it small? Yeah. Actually, when when it comes to cars, size matters. But in the opposite sense of the rest of the world, in a way, because it's like driving a Dino or four five eight. You can see everything. You've got those tiny little beautiful front wings. It feels small. And the the problem with most Ferraris now, whether it be F twelve, eight one two, five nine nine, even, they're too big. They're too fucking big. Too but the, big. the 458 is wonderful. It's got a decent noise. 
It's not a magnificent noise. It's not a 355, in truth. It's not a 360 Stradale. It's not even a 430. But it's decent noise. It's got a lovely cabin. It's a pretty car. The only negative on a 456, frankly, and it's reliable, the only negative is it's got a shit stereo. You literally may as well not have a radio. The Bluetooth is terrible. You can't make a phone call. But apart from that's the only negative I can find with a 458. Pretty, reliable, small, decent engine. Luca de Montezelmo. Get one in. Don't get a red one. Get a silver one or a blue one. And you could drive that car forever. So that's what I would choose. I'm very disappointed. It is wrong. And, and you know, I, I, I just thought you'd make a better pick. I, I have Maybe to. you go well, next, then, Ed. Go on, love it. I'm, I'm, yeah, endorse, on. I'm endorsing. I'm endorsing Clifford here. I think no, I'm going to go last. Made a strong argument. No, you can go now, love it. Come on. No, 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 no. I'm going to go last. Manish, manish, no, manish. No, you're not. You're going now. Go. We haven't put a budget on this one. No, there's no budget. You haven't put a budget on it. Uh, no, there wasn't supposed to be a budget. It was just one Ferrari. Exactly. Exactly. And he's going La Ferrari then. No, and I've. And do you know what? I, I, as you, I drove to Burgundy two weeks ago in the in the Tuttle nine eleven and back, and my the, the, a friend of mine was sat in the car with me, and another friend was driving behind in a nine nine three, and they they had their mobile phone mounts out, and they wanted to put the nav on. And I was like, "There's no fucking way. There's no nav coming on. We're pulling off in the first service station, and we're buying a map." Oh, nice. That's how we're doing this. And uh, we went into the first fucking service station. They didn't sell any maps. So five service stations <laughs> later, we eventually found a, we found a map. But I knew exactly the one I wanted. And and we'll come on to this with one of the next topics as well. Like, I, I don't want navigation. I don't want Bluetooth. I don't need a stereo. And the, the, the Tuttle 911, which I've been driving every day, I, I don't need a far, I don't need a really, really modern fast car. I just want a car that makes me feel happy. And Edward, stop you one second. So far, your answer to a Ferrari is a 911. No, no, it's not. It's not. I, I so I've got I've got two because oh, I'm needing to try and be that's slightly my practical. Job. I think ideally it would be a um, a 250 short wheelbase. Um, Daily driver. Daily driver. A daily driver. It's easy to drive. It's light steering wheel. It's fast. It's dynamic. It, it's yeah. comfortable. Uh, the, the only thing, I, to be slightly more practical, I might have a 275 GTB4 cam because it's got a little bit more legroom. So if you're, I'm not tall, but, I, you know, a, a short wheelbase, you still, you know, if you're two, if you're six foot, it's, it's cusp whether you can drive it comfortably. But a four cam, you know, as long as it works, which there's no reason why it shouldn't work if you maintain it properly, will put a smile on your face every day. It will start. It's light steering. It's fast. It's dynamic. It's beautiful. And uh, why? Why would I, I? Wouldn't want any other car ever. There you go. That's I can, I can endorse that argument. I'd like to know what the budget to run it was, but there we go. It doesn't matter. There is no budget. This is no, not a two-car no, no, no. garage with 38e to spend. <laughs> Manish, would, what are you, would you, what are you going on, for? You'd park it on the Fulham Road, would you, and go for a coffee? Yeah, yeah. You don't get parking tickets in a 275 GTB4 cam. <laughs> you just put a Peter, Peter paper on the front saying, gone for lunch. I'm terribly <laughs> sorry. 
Yeah. Well, and there's a little Cyrillic note left afterwards in the parking space. We've taken yeah. your car. <laughs> I owe you. Exactly. Um, Manish, what are you going for? <clears throat> well, you know, um, Luca rather plugged a hole in my, <laughs> in my car du jour last week, right at the end, being photobombed by Luca Montesemolo. Which car would you like? That one? No. With that transmission? No. <laughs> <laughs> I can't actually have the car. That I, so oddly, oddly, I think I've actually only ever driven one Ferrari in my entire life. And it was um, 275 GTB quad cam. And it was black and it's owned by um, a friend. And it was just the most beautiful drive ever. Mm-hmm. So Lovett and I are going to share a car. We're going to share a car. Oh, so he yeah. said to me, he drives it and he does drive it all the time. Always starts. It's maintained by um, someone that you know in South London. It spends a bit of time in and out of um, that garage. But it is, it's just that in terms of presence, it's very difficult to find a car. And his is black with red leather. So it's just this beautiful, beautiful looking thing. We just look at it. I'm always squinting because there's always a new angle with that car. And I believe you probably could take that um, on little trips or long trips, and it would be absolutely fine. I think it's, it's the prettiest Ferrari. It beats the short wheelbase. Everyone what? gets excited what? on the short wheelbase because of the value thing. I'm out. Pretty. I'm out. 275 yeah. is prettier. I don't think it is. You think a 275 is prettier than a short wheelbase? Yeah. No. I'm, yeah. Distended. Distended. <laughs> I can't. I can't. It's just a no, bit I'm monkey on with you on this one. Yeah. I hardly ever agree with you on that. Looks, like looks like the body's just been lobbed on the chassis. Two seven five um, looks like a woman. A short wheelbase looks like a man. Yeah, that makes sense. What's, Chris, what's Chris is probably going to go two seven five as well. Then what's wrong with that? Like a bit of both playing now. Right, here we go. Yeah. So I think um, I, I we're going to go. We've got two two seven fives and we've got a four five eight. Good choice, Manish. Very well chosen. Chris Cooper, what are you going for? Yeah, uh, I'm not going for the BMW 320 diesel touring on this one. I'm afraid. <laughs> Sorry, Edward and Manish. What I mean, everyone's daily driver is different, but the a day it's got to do everything. It's got to do a bit right. of everything, and it's got to be. Um, it's got to be quite practical. It's got to work. It's got to sort of do everything. And ah, no, 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 no. It doesn't. In principle, it does in the car magazine world. But you can still choose a car and adapt your behaviour to meet the inadequacies of the yeah, car. Yeah, no, I'm. Uh, in my world, it does. It has to do a bit of everything, which is my why my daily drivers tend to be estates with a bit more. Not because I'm always carrying people, but just you never know what's around the corner. <laughs> One needs, does, Chris. One needs does. might needs might arise. So you're going to choose one? <laughs> it's an FF. It's an FF. 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 Oh, I, thought, I thought you were going lower Sloan Street then and uh, and the no, car no, no, that no. we know that's parked and, and off. I'll tell you what tipped the balance. It was that BMW M Coupe thing. This oh, weekend. yes. That's lovely. And I thought it's, it's, it's a not a very good attempt at producing something which is not as good as an FF. When you see that, you think... I even more want an FF now because mm. if you bought one of those and you drove around and somebody had an FF, you think, "Oh, I've done it wrong again." Okay, FF. FF I, I think we should. Uh, we should. What, what, one week we should do. Um, What's your favourite successful FF? one-offs? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> What's your favourite FF? Yeah. <laughs> What's your... <laughs> 
Okay. Oh, one was for sale again, monkey, recently. It was, yeah. Matthew, I, and I sort of regretted, sort of. Matthew, oh. Matthew asked me to buy it back, and I. Yeah, he asked me to buy it as well. Said that one of my younger children had an accident. Fussy, who buys it? Right. Um, I think I think you're you're vaguely in the right place. Many of you. Uh, FF obviously on my list. I've I've decided to interpret this in an adult fashion, like Chris Cooper. I've not decided to approach it like Edward Lover in a fantasy world. So I would love, I would love the best Ferrari I've ever driven is the one that I owned for the last ten years and did all the miles in was a five twelve TR. Nothing comes close. Mm. They're great value. They they got. A, the most spectacular engine it's a special car it's a complicated mechanical package package like nothing else they're a real challenge to drive could i live one every day yeah i could i could live with it and you could maintain it you'd probably end up you know throwing a new engine at it every five years but so what it's joyous and people respond so well to it but it's two-seater and i i think for the rest of my life i couldn't live with a two-seater i'd want to be able to have other people with me i'd want to i'd like taking people on the journey not many people like coming on the journey with me but i've still got to give myself the option if yeah, someone would sit you never there. know you never know chris you're quite right so i don't think you can choose an ff as a driving device because even though it looks better than the lusso the lusso drives miles better for me because it's quiet inside the ff is freaking noisy at the back whereas the lusso is quiet so i'm going to say that i can't have an ff because I would want the Lusso, but I don't want a Lusso because it doesn't look right, which is why no. I've got to have a manual 612 Scaglietti um, in <laughs> the small wheels uh, and a like a, a tobacco tan, Curio, yeah. it. that would do me just fine. And what I'd do is I would, I'd be called out regularly to the King's Road where Edward Lovett's 275 would have shit itself again. Yeah. I'd have That's to get a lift. I'd have to give him a lift back to his pad in Fulham. That's what would happen. The yeah. 612 is going to be one of those cars that we, well, not, I think we already do regret it. As a brand new car, I was selling these cars new and people were terrified of depreciation. Uh, I know we talked about depreciation last week or the week before, but they were terrified of depreciation. So we just did not sell enough of them. But imagine if there were a ton of beautiful spec'd, 612s out there, manuals, one-to-ones, F1s, HGTC, HGTS. The center. Yeah, exactly. They were just, yeah. I, I just think they've, they're a beautiful, beautiful car. It has aged well. It's got the, it's got the bonnet of a 275. It's got the yeah. same line. No, it's better than that. No, Manish and I think you've all chosen very well, but you're also all wrong. No, well, you know what? I'm going to be more. I'm going to be uh, more more team like that. I think as a team, we've done a great job there. A little team hug. I think you've all done really, really well. Don't be harsh on yourselves. We're going to move on to um, a much more serious issue, and I, this is where I change to my serious uh, nine o'clock news voice. Sunroofs. Do you oh. like them or not? I'm. I'm. This is a very divisive issue. Manish, I know, has spent hours, well, months of his life deliberating on this particular issue. So I think now is the chance to give him the soapbox on which to stand and tell us, Manish, how do you feel about sunroofs? But just so 80s, aren't they? <laughs> very <laughs> harsh. They are. What's the point? Basically, do people outside Britain have sunroofs? Yeah. I've got all kinds of rhetorical questions about these. There was... It was, it, I just assumed because the weather was always rubbish, you know, you'd have this theoretical tin plate that kind of drops and slides back. And 
I don't know what you look at. What what what's the purpose? Is it just to allow bees in or something? I mean, there's just what is the point of a sunroof? The, there were two ways, weren't there? You can I got the windy sunroof, or eventually it became the electric sunroof. And no, no is the simple answer. They're just wrong. They're just you know wrong. I, I'm, I'm going to give the game away. I don't necessarily agree with Manish, but he's. His reasons are so compelling. I might need to change my reasoning on this before I speak in a few minutes' time. Chris Cooper, please tell us where you stand on the issue. Uh, I don't hate them or love them. Um, I mean, they go back to... Sunroofs originally were... <laughs> there'd be a little... sort. You'd have to literally pull them. You were like this sort of latch device, and you would sort of pull them back. And then I remember when I was a child, friends' fathers would have a sunroof with a little handle. I thought, God. These are the kind of people who get things done. They've got a little wind here. And then the electric buttony one happened. And then there's a sort of the, with the sort of the shade over it or or, there's, or the ones that just go opaque. Um, there are times, there was a really interesting period in the UK or British car culture. Even in the 90s, I remember my first BMW as a company car in 95. And I ordered it with a sunroof because the dealer didn't say to me, oh, you need air conditioning. And there was this, is it, oh, you had a sunroof. If it's a hot day, you have a sunroof. That's and now the, I can't imagine that is, that is the point. doing yeah. that. I didn't think about that. That was that it's word. It's Chris Cooper, are you pro or are you anti? Um, I think I'd like to have, just sometimes to have a, a big one, to like those, the Defender, the current Defender, has got one of those big canvas jobs. I think that's quite cool. Oh, now you're straying into the Webasto. Oh, <laughs> no, it's not Webasto, not aftermarket. Oh, okay. No, not, not sort of something done by Bauer Convertible or one of those things. No, the Defender's got a big electric... Oh, darling, that's a cabriolet. We're getting... We're getting no, it's not a cabriolet. No, it's got... It's fixed roof. Big okay. one, yes. Big one, okay. Big Neil one, Clip yes. Noel Clifford's about to, I think, explain to us that many cars were specced a certain way. Carry on. Well, I think it's a wonderful bloody thing. You're such a miserable bastard, Manish. How can you dislike a sunroof? You don't even own a fucking car. Come on. We need to we need to get this 456 bought. Yeah. With gonna, a sunroof. We're going to put we're a sunroof gonna, in it with ourselves. A sunroof. The, optional, the optional sunroof. I think I think Chris, Chris, is, Chris is definitely right. It is the replacement of air conditioning. It was for when you couldn't afford the air conditioning option or... Yeah. Many of those, I don't know, e thirties. They didn't. You didn't have the option of air, con of air yeah. conditioning, but you had the option of sunroof. And I think I, I don't know the stats, but I think it's partly a British thing. Whoever said that, I've now managers now left. Now. You've really pissed him off. He's gone to buy a four five six now. He's gone to buy a four five six. I think it's like the convertible. I think we are the highest percentage buyers of convertibles in Europe. Yeah. And I think probably the sunroof is the same because we live in this grey world, much less sunshine than we have in the rest of Europe. And in fact, it's cooler, of course. Therefore, when the sun comes out, you want to look at the fucking thing. You yeah. want to undo that thing. You want to get some sunshine into your, um, into your cabin. You want to whack some music on. Frankly, some of my best drives have been with a sunroof open, the bigger the better. So yeah, W109, 70s Mercedes, massive electric sunroof, almost to the point you feel like the roof is coming off. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? 
Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Even the Wabasso. I've never had a Wabasso roof. I quite fancy having a Rover P6 with a Wabasso. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like a final. A mini. A mini yeah. with the roof. Oh, lovely. The first car I ever went in that I thought, shit, I'm really going to have to bloody get into this car thing was a Granada Mark I Coupe, three-litre gear. You know, the two-door? Yeah. Yes. With a manual sunroof. Yeah. It was the first electric windows I ever saw, actually. That was technically a Mark II Granada. It was. You're right. It was, because the Mark I was almost a console. Correct. Yeah. But the, the Mark and the Mark II in that metallic blue with the with the velour, the gear coupe. It was. It was. That's it was, a cool. It was. It was one of my mum's first. Probably was a boyfriend. He was called an uncle, but he probably was a boyfriend. And <laughs> you know what I mean. Meet your new uncle. Yeah. And, um, What's his had, name? Monty. It's thought, well, it's not so bad if he's got a car with electric windows. Maybe I'm gonna. Have to, maybe I'm gonna have to like the guy. But I think sunroofs are brilliant. It's a very British thing. I yeah, agree. We need to acknowledge the fact that we've had our first ever location change on the podcast. <laughs> Manish, Manish has moved into the office. He obviously <laughs> needs to get to get close to the library for his sunroof <laughs> references. But I think I think he I think he was so angry during that outburst about sunroofs, he covered the other monitor in phlegm and had to move somewhere else. <laughs> um, right. Um, so should we go for Edward now? Well, first of all, to get to the point, I'm anti-sunroof because oh. uh, they're they're noisy and it's something to go wrong. And, you know, if you want a sunroof, just buy a cabriolet. However, backtrack now um, because after doing a bit of Googling and research to see could I fall in love, Citroen DS23 Palace, full fabric sunroof. Yes. Oh, yes. Nice. Yeah. Now... That, but that thing is with that, you're only really going to be driving around the countryside at slow speeds or through town where no, wind noise doesn't really matter. And that car is so cool. We should probably do a Citroen um, series at some well, point. We'll do favourite Citroen at some point. Um, okay. and, then, and then obviously 2CV, is that a sunroof? No. Yeah. No, it's a canvas roof. It's different. No, it's a canvas is it? What, what do you mean it's camera? It's still the sun comes in. It's not a convertible. Sunroof. It's uh, more of a convertible, really, because it's a canvas roof. It's a Citroen special. So the D, the DS twenty three Palace with the fabric is that a sunroof? More sunroof. 
Well, it's not a decap, is it? So it is, it's, it's somewhere in the middle. I think we might be tying ourselves in knots here and we can allow ourselves a little bit of leeway on the way that we define these things. Also, a lot today, as long as the sunroof is in a relatively slow car and is okay. not electric, I am a fan of it. Yeah. The moment it's electric, it's going to break at some point and I'm going to have a massive fucking bill to fix it because it will be out of warranty and I'll be pissed off and need to sell it. <laughs> he, he, he is a bit, you've got to admit, Edward is a bit of a method actor. He, he was is. so angry. God, you don't even have a car with a sign. Well, I do, but if it breaks when it's out of warranty and I have a 10 grand bill because it's jammed open, I'll be furious. That's just his personality. Yeah, that's who he is. Manish, you didn't yeah. see yourself when you were. <laughs> You when stormed you were, off were, into another room. I didn't. <laughs> I was booted off the kitchen table. I was booted. My wife was doing all kinds of sign language. Get the fuck off the kitchen table. No, she wasn't. She was saying, Manish, you fucking got it wrong about sunroof. <laughs> yeah, I come in. The right. only bad sunroof. Well, point of order. Point, yeah, a point of order. Last ones. Oh, they were yeah, they're pointless. And no, the 993 were... sunroof was just oh, too I like small. That. Wait there, wait there, wait there. Right, first of all, first of all. Ed would love it. I, I, you're allowed to have that opinion. Of course, we're all entitled to that. But you, I've just written, written in my notes here, you cited the reasons for not liking that they're noisy and they can go wrong. I, I think that you might need to look in the mirror there. If anything that's noisy and goes wrong, it's, it's probably you. Um, I, I, the, the ones that flip up like that always made me laugh because horrifically, they were dealer fit. So the dealer would get an angle grinder, cut a hole in the roof, and no. make those in the dealership. Yeah. That's why, if you bought one within three years, the rust would be extraordinary. Yeah, Britax yeah. special. Fucking terrible things. So yeah, you couldn't have one of them. Um, I I think I'm I'm pro sunroofs. I think anything that allows you to add to the sensory appeal of driving we've not we've not talked about the smells of spring you know we go out open that sunroof you're you're, you're a basic wild garlic open the window you've got a window put your head yeah, out that's noisy and buffety yeah that's not the same and also do you remember what's wrong with edward tonight i don't know i think he's he's um menstruating or something um, we were so we were we were basically i used to love for me 1980s when bmw uh, for the for the five series, the E twenty eight, and also the three series, when the flap went up, it was only half. It didn't go up the whole thing. It was it pivoted in the middle, and that made it look like a little spoiler on the roof of the car. It's lovely, I was seeing yeah. like E twenty eight in fives piling down the M four with that little. So I'm thinking it's got downforce or something. in qualifying so, mode. So <laughs> cool. So bit. I mean, I I also think you can make a strong argument for the fact that a car that Chris Cooper just mentioned is the reason why sunroofs are so cool. Not because the Porsche 911, 964, 993, even the even the G series had a sunroof that was too small because the roof space was so small. It allowed us to enjoy the most absurd positioning for a switch in any car at all. Do you remember where the sunroof was? By the, un, underneath the speedo. Underneath the, the leading That's edge right. of the speedo to yeah. open the roof. That's right. I mean, it was worth it just for that. Just alert. for that. I also think there's a joy in, in a, when you've got a sunroof, you get the chance to try and tune 
your window position to get just the right airflow through the car, whether yeah. it's whether it's you know ruffling your ears, whether it's, uh, there's, a, there's a lot of joy to be had. And, and I think, stop that thrumming you get. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I think yeah. I think I think Edward and Manage have got this badly wrong. I do I, as well. I, I think it might I, be. I, a, I, I you know, I've never. Really these are for anti two seven five GTB four cameras. Don't you listen to them, Manage? They're all yeah. wrong. <laughs> I, I think there's yeah I, i've never really liked them we're being ganged up on tonight i don't like I it. Feel it i feel it <laughs> I, I i really i really do like a sunroof uh but there is one exception and that was the Peugeot 205's factory yes. fit with, yes. the, with the sucker thing that would hiss when it opened and, and those rails two, the rails would the back. Sliding thing, yeah neil i really hope that the answer to your next series of questions <laughs> is not a sunroof. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like choosing a car from the 1980s when it's got to be in the 70s. Yeah, no, exactly. The, the, we, should, we should call out the 928 GTS sunroof, which was officially the smallest sunroof. But the noise, when you because the switch was in the right place by the gear knob down there. Yeah. And when you, when you press that button, it was like a James Bond, beautiful submarine tank opening, wasn't it? Yeah. That German engine. Yeah. It was only yeah. about that big. It was like a letterbox, but it was lovely. And, and, and actually, you mentioned the other week, another great sunroof was the twin sunroofs in the E34 M5 oh, Touring. Yeah. Um, what about the Renault Spass that had the two flip-up sunroofs? Yeah. Way down. I mean, I Mark actually Mark Two Discovery, Mark yeah, One Discovery. Yeah, Mark, Mark One. Had Mark two. One and Mark Two. I think both had the twin roofs. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Quite cool. Now we're moving on. Um, Edward Lovett's going to just just apologise for choosing. No, I'm joking. Um, it's this is um, what's the most embarrassing option you've ever had fitted to a car or, or a sunroof a sunroof <laughs> Love it. go away um you have to you have to decide what the most embarrassing option you've ever had fitted to a car is who well that's a question for all of us to answer uh, isn't it? Oh, fine. chris what? harris give us your answer okay I'll, I'll give your answer now um i think um and i don't have a great story here to tell I've, I've thought about it i've not ordered that many cars from you it reminded me that most of the new cars i bought were already sitting in a showroom and i bought them because they were there i've only i've not spec that many cars mm -hmm. um, and i think on, the, on a simple level i once bought a mercedes estate car and i bought and i ordered it with blacked out glass i don't know why i did that because i hate it so i'm ashamed of that that should never have happened that's a, that's a crime that's yeah. a crime but i think i what i i'll twist it and so i narrowly avoided uh, buying a car, a new car, and it was a BMW, uh, and I it was a long time ago, and they tried to charge me for floor mats, and I had a massive argument in the dealership. I just said, I think that when you supply me a car, you probably owe me a pair of mats at the front, and they tried to put the floor mats for £75 plus VAT on the bill, and I told, them, I told them to foxtrot Oscar, yes. and, I and I wouldn't buy them. So I deleted the mats, and then six months later, there was a hole in the main carpet. So I bought some mats to cover the hole. <laughs> that went well. Yeah. 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 That's, so that's, about, that's about as far as I go. I suspect you're going to have better stories than that. I'm just going to get myself a drink of water. I'm getting a bit hoarse. Manish? Um, I have a paucity of new car stories, but I've, I just, I specified one option, which everybody said would be embarrassing and ridiculous and superfluous. And my wife is actually uh, for, foremost in this criticism, but actually turned out to be very good. I, um, 
the only reason I bought a car living in central London is because when our son was one, we used to take, um, we used to go on weekends to my wife's sister's, just she she lives in uh, Middle Barton. So we used to drive to, uh, we, we used to take the train to, from Marlebone to Bicester. And um, when my son was one, we had a pram, all the stuff that you have when you have a one-year-old, plus what you've taken for the weekend. We were standing on Bicester Station. We were literally standing Bicester Station and I didn't know about Bicester Village. Yeah, Bicester Village too. Every Sunday, basically, the entire population of Shanghai goes to Bista Village and they just fill yep. massive bags yep. with bizarre clothes. And we were just standing there. So the train came in, we got in, had to stand all the way to Marylebone, cry, you know, kid crying in pram. And I just thought, I've got to get a car. So I went online and Audi let you buy, they used to let you buy your cars online. So I spec'd my car out online. And uh, my wife was sort of looking over my shoulder as I did this. And I said, we're going to put a fridge in the glove compartment. Oh, good idea. I, I And that's what I did. And it's like, why are you doing that? Never going to use that. This is the most ridiculous thing that you've ever put in a car. But guess what? There is just one thing about that car. <laughs> cold milk for child, cold water for me, and chocolates that don't melt. Yes. You go on journeys. So fridge and car, not embarrassing. I got a bit hand but I won. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a very, very wise decision. Chris Cooper, you're doing that hopping thing where I can't tell if you need a wee or you want to talk. No, I, it's age, yeah. Okay. Um, so it's more of an accessory than an option. Strange. Um, where are you going with this? this? Is this one of your toy-based stories, or are we talking about cars? No, 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 none of those. No, that was you, that was you last week. Um, when I was a student in Portsmouth Poly, I was the head of the Portsmouth Poly Motor Club. Um, and we used to organize navigational rallies and these sort of 12 car plot and bash things. And then one day we actually organized a proper MSA sanctioned road rally in the days we could do this thing. And people, uh, real people turned up with Mark I and Mark II escorts and so forth. And I thought I need to sort out the lights on my, I had a 96.7 Mini Cooper. Um, so I put some Lucas 2020 Ooh. branded spotlights on the front, which I bolted to the bit, just on the bonnet, sort of the, the ledge on the, so it just rattled and vibrated like that. But I thought I need, cause I'm going to do some high speed reversing cause I'm such a skilled driver. I need a proper reversing light. So I drilled a hole in the boot lid and put a spotlight yes. on the boot lid pointing backwards but I never got around to putting a bulb in it or wiring it up. And, but I really liked the way it looked. They do look good. So I just left it there. So did it, look a bit, it looked a bit hot Kirk, did it? It looked a bit- It looked very, it looked very like in a moment's notice, the thing's gonna spin on the sixpence and I'll be off in a different direction. That's the guy who kind of gets things done. Look, he's got that big spotlight on the boot. How fast will he be reversing? You know, young ladies of Portsmouth Poly must have thought we'll have to form a queue for his for his charm and advances. So it was the silliest option, an accessory, because I never actually put a bulb in or wired it up because I didn't know how to. So that was the silliest accessory. There it is. That's it. I had actually mine was slightly higher up. 
I do own a Mini with a reversing. Oh, oh, yeah. No, you see, you got that wrong. You got that wrong. The, the light needs to be slightly higher up. So but from the mine, side... Mine, mine works. Yeah, that's not the point. <laughs> not a bulb in it. That's not the point. I don't think, like. Mr. Mr. C, I don't think you can tell us what a disaster it was and then offer an opinion on where they should be <laughs> someone else's mini. That is quite brave, isn't it? That is quite we, brave on reflection. I think, yeah. we, I think Neil can safely say he's got a better one than you. Right, Neil Clifford, off you go. I, I ordered a Porsche and obviously um, it was a quite a posh Ponzi Porsche, limited edition-y thing. And you had all these options of lightweight, um, lightweight battery, um, single mass flywheel, you can probably guess the car. I know um, which option you're going to talk about as well. <laughs> oh, no, actually, I wasn't, but I'll talk about that. That's even, that's even stupider, actually. Um, stripes or no stripes, air conditioning or no air conditioning. And obviously, the real purist would have gone lightweight battery, um, single mass flywheel, no air conditioning, no stereo. But actually, I did two funny things. I don't regret any of them. I tend not to have any regrets in life, apart from not seeing Kate Bush live. Um, and one of the things was the lithium battery. Because I thought, oh, that sounds really fucking yeah. good. I'm going to get the lithium battery. It's like 800 quid extra. But when I went to pick it up at the dealer, they said, just to let you know, if you, if you don't drive that car and start it, in three days, the battery will be flat and you won't be able to drive it. So I said, oh, for fuck's sake, that's a pain in the ass. I'll buy a normal battery. So I've driven that car around for five years with the lightweight lithium battery in a box in the, <laughs> in the car. <laughs> I then fitted the standard battery as well. So the car is actually heavier, heavier. than even if you didn't order the lightweight battery, you had the normal one. Um, the other point of that car is, and I don't regret this because I do have the coolest sandwich box hole of any car, as I, I, I did it without stereo, which clearly is quite a stupid thing to do. But I just thought, actually, this is a great car. I'm going to do a spec that's better than everyone else's. I went for air conditioning because I thought, shit, if I'm driving to Le Mans or driving somewhere, I really don't want a car without air conditioning, particularly when it's free. And there was no sunroof option, as you would know, Ed, on that car. But it's got no stereo, and it's got the lightweight battery, but also the normal battery in the front at the same time. <laughs> there you go. Um, Ed would love it. I, this could go on for ages. Give it, it, could, it actually could go on for ages. Yeah. I'll try not to let it. And actually, Chris, you talking about the hole in your um, boot <laughs> just made me think, thinking back in the day, when there was a very sort of wealthy local family who kept, wanted to take delivery of their new 540 estate or something like that. Ooh, cool car. Ooh. They would bring you their mascot so you could bolt it oh. into the middle of the bonnet. You, uh, you imagine species? that today. Well, number one, I think it's illegal now to have a mascot in the middle of your bonnet. But you imagine asking a dealer to, could you drill a hole in a carbon fiber <laughs> bonnet to stick my mascot is it, in? Is there? it a horse or a what dog? Was well, people had all sorts of things. It was sort of. Did you ever get? Did you ever get a little golden penis with a crown on it? Because yes, I've got. Is... I've got that. Yes, I've had, I have it fitted somewhere else though. It's in my air conditioned glove box. <laughs> um, we should bring. Back I, I, I don't make mistakes, Chris, as you know. So I, I haven't. Uh, I haven't ever ordered an incorrect new car. 
But I have I've noted a few down here, and I also found one on the line, which is a Bentley Bentayga Breitling clock, um, which yeah. was one hundred and thirty-two thousand pounds as an option. I think it's that a tourbillon. Tour, it's a tourbillon tour with diamond no. hour markers. That could be a mistake. Um, yeah. A couple of mistakes that are currently being made by people that order cars is the ones that are being forced to take the gt3 or gt2 rs watch with 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 the car come on do you really want that it's a bad um chris what's your view on chocolate teapots i.e carbon fiber wheels yeah i'm i'm not sure about i don't know they're not yeah there's no failure mode in carbon fiber you ding them them and it's 15 grand a corner or something well they just go when you don't it looks like they're fine and then they just go and that's bad yeah Yeah, but the this is a pretty inexpensive mistake but a painted key yeah Mm, i've got that yeah i i i'm not a fan I'm not. I'm not a fan of the painted key because, especially if you use it, the paint starts to chip away, and then you have to give this sort of rancid painted but, key but chip it, back to the you, dealer. Not if you have it wrapped as well. Oh, you got. Oh, you got. To, you wrap the key, do you? You have BPF on your key. People are painting keys now because that the, the level of insecurity is that when they go to the pub, they got to have the key, same as the thing as probably their. Sex I think it's just trying to make the key more interesting. <laughs> Um, I do actually it does remind me that there were always some great stories at certain car makers of vehicles that would become press cars because the order the order process had gone so wrong or someone internally had got so out of shape with the um, with the ordering of a car it ended up being a press car. Sometimes it was also just belligerent people that were fucked off when they got fired. They managed to squeeze an order in before they went. There was a Pan- there was a Panamera current shape Panamera five years ago that was ordered in guards red with a red leather interior. <laughs> <laughs> Porsche retail group could just couldn't sell, so it had to become a press car. There was a there was a famous and it's it's still it's doing the rounds. Bentley put a yellow Conti T on its fleet in ni- in two thousand because it was oh, it, been, seen that car. it was special ordered by someone in the Middle East, and then they went pop, and they couldn't. Bentley just couldn't sell the fucking thing, so they made it a press car, and we all drove around in it for six months. There were, there were lots of mistakes. I remember BMW had some hilarious stuff go wrong with some M3s. They just came through. To, what what have you done? Laguna Seca blue with Laguna Seca blue leather. Oh, that's a that's a great color combination. Uh, at the time, no one thought it, um, and they don't now. There's... <laughs> There's a peculiarly British, I think it's a British thing, and I, I hesitate to say this because I know that lots of people like this, and it does seem to be increasingly popular, and that's drug dealer glass, oh, privacy God. glass. No. I don't, the reason I don't like it is because it just spoils the look of the car. Nobody yeah. designing a car said, do you know what will make it look even better? I kind of make it look a bit like a van. It just, yeah. hey, I mean, Monkey, you and I have done this. I'm sure others, you know, if we're looking for a, you know, a previously enjoyed car and it's got privacy glass, I'll say, okay, can you put some clear glass back in it? And the doesn't look at you and say, what's the matter with you? I said, I'm sorry, I just, it's either that or I'm not buying it. So that sort of, there are some cars now, lots of, even a Golf GTI, you can't specify, at least in the UK, a Golf GTI with clear glass. It has you either- can't, You can't with the G-Wagon. Yeah, I mean, Golf has typically got- I had, to buy, I had to buy my separate glass from Kratz and have yeah. it bought into the country. Yes. That, that was about the same as buying a new car. 
Yeah. I've WhatsApped you a link, and uh, we won't talk about it on here, but uh, I'm sure there's some regret in that choice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but okay. you have to go inside. You have to go inside the car to discover the problems. Okay. <laughs> okay, we'll do that in a minute. I think it's known in those, those rare cars are known in the trade, or certainly in my little world, as white dog shit rare. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Because that's I true. Where that's white, true. White, white dog shit was very popular in the seventies, but you don't see it anymore, do you? I, don't know. <laughs> I think it's a dietary dog. change. Yeah. Yeah, they don't <laughs> eat. They don't eat bones anymore, dogs, do they? That's probably. <laughs> We've got artisan dog food now. Yes. Uh, I'm now going to do something I've always wanted to do. I'm going to segue from Neil Clifford talking about white dog shit. I'm going to ask Manish whether he's got any classical music for us this week. Yes, I um yeah, semi-classical. I played it to you last time. Oh week, no, no, actually. I'm not going to go to two car garage, two car <laughs> garage. Well you don't have oh, you no. don't have to end in music. You've started it now. Okay, we'll do music first. We'll do two, two car garage again. Sorry to interrupt your flow, Manish. Carry on. That's all right. When we were in Bologna last week, I think I played it to you. I think it, for yep. me it's um a very lyrical, beautiful piece. Starts with a very simple piano, a bit like an Eric Satie piece, but then it builds and builds and builds, like Michael Nyman, who composed lots and lots of music for uh, the cinema, and um, it's Ludovico Ionaldi, and it's a piece called Experience, and it's just beautiful and lyrical, and it's Chris and me in a Ferrari with President Montezemolo at the, in the back seat going, I've got plenty of legroom here, look at this, as we go through the little trattorias of Bologna, hopefully, you know, pigeons flying, whole thing shot by Ridley Scott. That's, that's really the plan. And he's, wow. and he's saying to manage, thank fuck, this isn't the 275 Ford Cam. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, Neil Clifford, some music. I'm a 90s boy completely. What's the best man in the 90s? Without doubt, no argument, Oasis. Um. I mean, half the country has just turned off. No, well, okay, I love it. I do like it. Like Spice that. Girls. Well, we, we, like what Blur. Are just, just to be clear, I was an anti Blur, but I think I think Oasis nailed it. They, they produced yeah. all the best anthems. And the thing they did really, 94, they blew away all of Madonna and fucking Phil Collins and Michael Bolton and fucking Lisa Stansfield, all that Those shit. Those are low bars, but yes, granted. All that early 90s, was a, it's a bit like the arrival of punk and blowing away the 70s sort of flares, really. I think Oasis did the same thing. I was travelling in 94, so I didn't really get the Definitely Maybe album, but I, you know, I came back to... Um, what's the story? What's the story? on Berwick Street, and even when I walk down Berwick Street, which I do a lot, I, that the whole album goes through my head. And it would easy be easy to choose Wonderwall because probably it is the best song of Oasis. We all want to sing to it. You know, when you're drunk, it's even better. But I chose um, Cast No Shadow, which mm, is yeah. an amazing song. Um, it's actually written about Richard Ashcroft. So listen to the lyrics. The verb. The Verve, yeah. The song is about Richard Ashcroft. They were good mates. Noel and, and Richard were good mates. And it's all about the torment, torment of, a, of a man living, living his life, trying to do his, his best. But, you know, it's never so easy sometimes. But anyway, brilliant album, brilliant brand, band. And, uh, yeah, Oasis, Cast No Shadow. So I'm going to be listening to some Oasis tomorrow. I do love it. Also, but then now I'm thinking about the verb. Jesus Christ, Sonnet. What a song that is. Oh, yeah. uh, so album, yeah. here, here we go. Um, uh, Edward Lovett. 
Chris said I wasn't in a very good mood. And, and also I started this before we, well, I think before we started recording, saying so I hadn't thought about my music choice, but I'm going to go with Beach Boys and yeah. Good Vibrations oh, no. just to make, I, I'm in a good mood. <laughs> Good, a good response, a solid response there for me. Driving in Southern California in his 275 GTB quad cam, windows down. Down to Malibu. Absolutely. Yeah. With, with, ah, with the Beach Boys playing that. As he, sees, as he sees Neil Clifford go past in a short wheelbase and goes, oh, damn. Yeah, no, with I a sunroof. 458 because I've still got eight <laughs> cylinders and he's got three or something going on. <laughs> Chris Cooper. Well, I've had, I've got three now. Oh, for, um, oh, you're allowed one. Stop it. So anything by Brian Wilson, it's got to be brilliant. Um, Champagne Supernova, I think, is a great way to But the one, the one yeah. I, I kind of, it's a bit cliche, but we haven't done it. And I just love it. Every time I think, God, that's amazing. Free Bird by Lynn Skinner is a oh, great, great track. Song. A great track in a car, on a journey. I was driving, when I drove back down the M1 yesterday, it was a bit, a lot of football crowds on the road and lots of mad Sunday afternoon driving. And I just, that just came on, on my, on my iPhone, just random stuff. And I thought, that is bloody impressive. We must have had that. But I don't think we have. And so. at, at the scramble, at the coffee run on Saturday, the, the playlist was playing. So I heard some of our... The real playlist. Over. Not all the over thing. the airfield. Oh, there was definitely no. There was a bloke walking around going, "I like this playlist because it's not got any of Neil Clifford's music on it." Yeah, what was saying that. I was convinced they had deleted all my songs, and then we found <laughs> the fake, the fakey person that has. Really there, was awesome. bloke, there was a bloke with a collecting cards T-shirt going around. This has got no none of Neil's music in it. It's really good. Yeah, <laughs> that was him. That's that bloke, CCOJ on fucking. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, sometimes. You choose a song, uh, and you're already actually. I had thought about my song for this week, but then something pops up on the radio, and it me- it just melts your heart, and you go, "Oh, okay, I've not heard that for a while." Uh, and I was in the car yesterday uh, with my youngest, and um, and Razor Lights America came on, and I just think the beginning of that is just just drags at your heart a bit. It's a lovely, lovely intro. It's a great song. Razor Lights. I need to put that on my playlist. Fantastic, yeah. fantastic vocal as well. It's a great song. So yeah. the Razor Light America. For me this week. Um, thank you to my co-host, Manish Pandy. Neil no, Kip. no, 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 no. You're getting all garage. wrong, Chris. We've got two car garage, two car garage. <laughs> we need some, we need a professional to do this, don't we? I think you do. You do. It's already been a long week and it's Monday. I think he's got a bad shoulder. He's been doing a lot of stretching and I've got um it's been a long week. It's been got, a long week. I've, got a side, I've done some exercises, I've got some I got a side strain. Hold on. Also, my eldest child is 18 today, so it's slightly blown my oh. head apart. Oh, congratulations. Yeah. He's asking me if he can buy a burger. I'm going to say yes. Um, so here we go. I'm going to read out the two car garage for you. Which this He's week, asking you if he can buy a bird. A burger. burger. Oh, right. Burger. Okay, fine. For God's sake, we're not all like the lovers. Right. Here we go. <laughs> um, let's. Um, let's. That's hard. That might be what they do it for their 18th in Bristol. <laughs> oh, God. Choose a bird, whichever one you want, I'll pay. This is heavily involved, this one, and I know it's long and verbose because it's written by Mr. Neil Clifford. I'll put some full stops in there for you. uh, No, I'll I'll choose when to breathe. Um, (laughs) You have been made redundant with a big payoff from credit (laughs) where you were a high-flying investment banker. Let's start positively. Um, Your mortgage is paid, your pension's full, and the kids have finished their Oxbridge degrees. So it's the perfect time to take a year out and travel Europe with the wife and the two boys. You've allocated 
a very realistic budget of £500,000 <laughs> to buy... To buy we're on the pulse of the nation. To buy two new cars. That's what I thought. A big, luxury, family, comfortable motor and a wonderful sports car that you've always promised yourself. You plan to drive them 15,000 miles in 12 months. Did you did you just look in the mirror at this one or not? Um, no, 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 no. And want to minimise the depreciation when you sell yeah. them in 2024 on the best auction platform ever seen in the UK collecting cars um so so here we go i'm going uh going chris cooper so um i forgot something in the man cave last week i forgot you... a mezzanine floor <laughs> I have a mezzanine floor in the man cave and uh finley uh, one of my sons said why didn't you mention the mezzanine floor so i said i mentioned the mezzanine floor um oh. so these two cars if you, there's only one car right now that I think would be comfortable and luxurious enough for a family of four to travel around Europe and pretty much get the same money back, it's got to be a Range Rover. Yeah. Because they are still going for overs, the current model Range Rover, they can't make enough of them. And Range Rover V8s are going for way, way over. So I think if you got one today, some cancelled order, you could definitely get your money back and perhaps even a little bit more in a year's time because the supply is so small the other one's quite interesting so i slightly cheated i never do that i know um i Maybe reckon seven more cars or something no no because um i just think an aston martin v8 vantage pre-90 um that had been beautifully rebuilt mm. um you wouldn't go for 350 but hey you know You've just been well, redone from credit. You just said two new cars. What, yeah, what? I'm saying it's been rebuilt. It's essentially new. Oh, yeah. I think we'd give him that. Yeah, and and this is this is he's going to regret it. Neil, I've known Hang him. On. I've known him longer than you, Neil. If you give him an inch, he's a fucker. This one, he'll. If take he broke time. down with Edward and his two seven five, though. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he wouldn't do that. No, I promise he won't break down. Anyway, I'm I'm a banker. You know, my word is my bond. Okay, you can have you can have both. But Six point three Aston Martin V8 Vantage. Yeah, you can have you can have both. But remember, I, I officially you're on notice here, Cooper, because you're taking the piss in the two cars. Okay, is that track limits? And yeah, I'm going to yeah. fleece you when you come to part exchange as well. <laughs> uh, Manish, what are your two cars? Um, can I start off by saying that I didn't see the word new. At <laughs> 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 least I'm honest. Well, and 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 also, I did a I did, I did a quick I did a quick trawl, and um, the average salary in dollars of an MD at Credit Suisse last year was five hundred and eighty five thousand two hundred and forty nine dollars. Yes, but he's a partner. This guy, he yeah, yeah MDs, plus, plus options, plus your share. No, no, I got it. And he must be about fifty years old. No, I was just thinking because a friend of mine did actually start his banking career at Credit Suisse, and they were particularly arrogant in the eighties. And I remember he got out arroganted by um, a maitre d at a steak restaurant on Charlotte Street. Wow. I remember he said, "Right, we'll meet and we'll have lunch." And I said, "Have you got a reservation?" He said, "No." I'm at CSFB, don't worry about it. Mm. So there he went in his blue bloody suit. I stood with him. I thought we were pr pretty smartly dressed. The restaurant was completely empty. And the maitre d' said, do you have a reservation? And he said, <laughs> no. And then the maitre d' looked into this empty restaurant. And he said, as you can see, we are fully booked. <laughs> 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 Basically told us to piss off. Um, 
So the two cars, because I didn't see the word new, I found a 1972 <laughs> Maserati Bora. <laughs> that's not yeah. going to lose any miles at all it's yeah. never going to do fifteen thousand miles i know i know but it's so beautiful and and i'm going to drive in that but the other car i think you'll both like actually and let me off is these remade alvis graber super coupe yeah three hundred and thirty thousand pounds that's an interesting one yeah, I just think cool. they're, they're they're like Neil's most beautiful Bristol's on some kind of acid. I think that they look beautiful. The inside, yeah, are cool. they're not overpowered. I think we wouldn't have any problems driving that thing around. And I think it would make its money back, wouldn't it? Ed? It would. Well, Manish, if you drove around Europe, everybody would want one. Oh, it's it such would. a great looking car. It just it just looks. Just Manish, cool. Manish, because Chris Cooper has set an example of having no discipline whatsoever, we have to give you those. Yeah, but I'm hardly to judge. Frankly, we've lost control of this room now, and it's embarrassing. Wait, is, is, is the Bora a piece of shit? Because you no, won't it's win. Brilliant. No, I think it's, it's, it's not new, but then... They're not, they're not easy things, but they're sensational. You can have one, because ultimately, Chris Cooper has caused problems here. We're going to have some words about this. Right, Neil Clifford, what are you going to have? An SR71 and Saturn <laughs> fucking five? Yeah, I'm going to have a Lightning... <laughs> And a helicopter. <laughs> no, Chris. Chris is right. You get a Range Rover. It's the only. It's the only modern car. Yes, you're right. You can't get one anyway. Um, I'd have the long wall base hybrid. Actually, I've gone off piste on that. I'd have the hybrid just so when I'm in Siena or I'm in Palermo, yeah. I can get up early in the morning and I'm on electric and I just cruise out of the. They've city. just improved it as well. They have. Yeah. So I'd have the hybrid long wheel base, not the not the seven seat one, but just because I only got two kids, no no cockapoos this time. So I'd have just the, the, the loads of leg room for my big, tall, rugby playing, handsome, pain in the ass sons that are sat in the back, and then I would and then I would have three hundred fifty grand. And you know what? I'd buy something English. I know I'm I'm, I'm, I'm I probably wouldn't do this in reality. This is my make-believe life. I'd get that new DBS 770 final edition. Oh, that's a good call. Because actually, it's a little wow. bit less leery than an 812 GTS. It's sort of a bigger, cruisier GT thing than the Sport Classic 911. It's probably the first pretty modern new Aston I've liked for a long time because it's got the it's got those wheels from the Victor. Yeah. It's a, I mean, the dash is still shit because it's like looks like 10 years old. It's got Mercedes sat now from 1998. But I think the thing, it looks lovely. And you do it in non-metallic navy or British racing green and a lovely Coyo leather. And when you're driving around, I don't know, wherever you are, where are you, in the Pyrenees or going through Tuscany or down to Sicily, you've lost your wife anyway because you've been driving too fast. You want to be in a British car. You want to be a British yeah. dude. I'm with you. So I'd have an I'd have the new Aston 770 final edition and a Range Rover. Yeah, you yeah. definitely do your boots in that as well. I would yeah. lose hundred grand on the Aston. Is the yeah. problem? Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, Edward Lover, are you going to behave or are you going to be sensible here? No, I'm going to I'm going to be sensible. Right. Um, Boring. I really, I really think the current um, flying spur is a really handsome car mm. and hro and have got one for sale neil you need to go on your um and have a look at this online in a minute it's sage green with cumberland green leather 
Uh, so not agreeing. Which <laughs> so I'm gonna I'm gonna go and bid them in the nuts because no one's gonna want to buy that car. So I'll buy I'll buy it cheap, and uh, so I reckon I can run that pretty well for the next twelve months. And then you know I knew I knew you would say it. You'd choose something different, but you'd have to say it. But eight twelve GTS, I I, it, it's a car that often winks at me. And Chris, yeah, I know it winks at you as well. But hopefully you've got a backup plan. It's a good car. If if you, I mean, everyone's lost their shirt on a normal eight one two. But if you get the GTS, then you're not going to lose too much. Well, funny enough, yeah. they have lost. They had lost their shirt, but they've all put their shirt back on because the the residuals on all of these cars have really tightened up. As long as you didn't buy it new, you're all right. Well, exactly, with a lot of fancy paint and all that jazz. Yeah. yeah. Well, obviously, Lovett's completely bollocks me here, so I did a bit of rethinking quite quickly. First of all, he's gone for the wrong Bentley because he should have gone to Crew and found the last unregistered Mulzahn Speed um, that was being sold this year. So um, I think to go around Europe in a quintessentially British car, you can't go around in a rebodied Phaeton or a Panamera, which is what that Flying Spur is. It's a great car, but it's not a Mulzahn. That would be such a cool way to travel. And they are immensely good at speed, having sat four up doing over 180 for miles after mile in a blue one that I had years ago. So I'd go for the Mulzahn. And I wanted an 812 GTS, but I can't turn up when I meet Edward down in Cap Ferrat for a a late breakfast. I can't turn up in the same fucking car because Lover will be there looking all ginger and smart. EL77. Seven, seven. Yeah, well, <laughs> and, I, and, I, and I, then I'll know that we're seeing Clifford later and he's in his DBS 770 having shit himself nine times in the rain the night before because the traction control was in the wrong setting yeah. and he's got full code brown. Manish uh, and Chris didn't make it because their cars broke down on the way. They broke down. That's <laughs> harsh. No, no, my answer is this. Uh, uh, I'm going to go for a 296 Spider because I do. I love the 296. I think it's a great car. It's mm. fast, great to drive. I think it's very pretty. But mm. looking at my budget, I've got a bit of money left over. So I've written down here is I've got 50k left over. So I'm renting. How have you got money left over? I have got money left over. What for? A, what, how much does a Mulsanne Speed last of the well, line? I've paid nothing for that. Out the back of the factory. Oh, so, right. Okay. So I've got I've got a bit of money left, and I'm going to hire. We're going to we're going to leave France. We're going to go to Mugello, which I've hired for a day. Oh. Um, and we're going to spend the rest of the day with my podcast pals wrecking the rear tyres of my Ferrari two nine six. Then we're going to have an excellent pasta lunch and discuss our general greatness. All right. <laughs> so I think that's a good way to end. I this think that's podcast. a very good way. A podcast I've tried to end three times already. <laughs> 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 for which I for which I apologise. Um, thank you very much for listening. Please tune in next week. Bye bye. Bye bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 